This podcast is brought to you by the College of Nursing at Brigham Young University. For more information about its programs, faculty, students, or alumni events, please visit nursing.byu.edu. Remember last summer's riots and protests? Well, street medics are individuals that identify themselves with duct tape red crosses who help either side of a demonstration if a health need occurs. If you've ever wondered what it would be like to provide health care while battling tear gas, stay tuned. Hey everyone, I'm Eliza Joy. And I'm Ryan Larson. Together, we will explore nursing careers and professional insights. With exclusive interviews for nurses working in jobs that you want to know about. Transferring info from one nurse to another. This is the College Handoff. Today, you will hear what it takes to be a street medic in a major American metropolitan area from a BYU nursing alum's point of view. Street medics, or action medics, are volunteers with varying degrees of medical training who attend protests to provide medical care such as first aid. There are many resources available to help prepare medics for protest action, such as donoharmcoalition.org or rosehipmedics.org. The segment neither substitutes nor qualifies an individual to act as a street medic without first obtaining proper training led by a qualified instructor. Therefore, we recommend finding a trusted local health collective for both initial and continued training. Now let's listen to Ryan's exclusive interview. In conjunction with the COVID-19 pandemic, 2020 was defined by dozens of protests that erupted across the country. For a variety of social, political, and racial reasons, it is estimated that somewhere between 15 to 26 million people participated in some form of political, racial, or social demonstration during the 2020 year. But amongst the millions of protesters that gathered together to make their voices heard, there were a handful who gathered not to make social or political statements, but rather to embrace the healer's art and to serve those around them. These unpaid public servants are known as street medics. Today, we talk with two of them, Barbara and her husband Frank, who work together to treat patients that get hurt during protests. Before we begin our conversation with Frank and Barbara, it's important to understand that street medics are often harassed for the work that they do. Because of that, we agreed to keep Frank and Barbara's information private. We're not using their real names in this episode. Nevertheless, I'm excited for our conversation. I first read about Barbara and her role as a street medic in a preview of the fall issue of The Healer's Art, the BYU nursing magazine that will come out in just a few weeks. I highly recommend it. It is a thoughtful and provoking piece that has incredible relevance for today. Like her article, I expect my conversation with her and her husband to be fascinating. I suspect that we'll cover basic questions like, what does a street medic actually do? But I also think we'll get into some more personal and found more thought-provoking questions. How to deal with rejection, persecution, and how to help those that really don't want to be helped. Frank and Barbara, thank you so much for being on our show. I want to start from the very beginning. It's my understanding that you and your husband are both BYU graduates, is that correct? Yes, yes, we both are. Um, I uh, went through the BYU nursing program and then um, my husband, Frank, um, is also a BYU graduate, not with the nursing program, but a BYU graduate. Well, that's cool. Well, Robert, maybe we can start with you then first. When you graduated from the nursing program at BYU, 
Did you have any idea that you would be a street medic or what was your plan A when you graduated? Absolutely not. Um, my plan when I graduated was to become a nurse practitioner, which I eventually did after um, years of being at the bedside. But I had, I didn't even know the phrase street medic. So I, yeah, I did not anticipate being in this role at all. That's interesting then. So you were head of more mainstream line in the nursing program. How did you then hear about being a street medic? Um, I'm going to let my husband explain part of that because he is actually the reason um, for us getting into it. Yeah. Street medicine itself, like it, as a concept, dates back to the civil rights movement and anti-Vietnam War movement of the 1960s in the U.S., as well as like French protest movements. Um, and so street medicine tries to address the often unmet needs, as well as build community resilience. I was watching a lot of the protests after the, the George Floyd murder and, um, and wanted to contribute to the community in some way. I mean, we live in a major metropolitan area that had a number of protests. Um, and we saw that there was a lot of harm meted out to protesters. Uh, and we researched a number of ways that we might be able to contribute and uh, came across some street medics. And so then I researched further, you know, what is it to be a street medic? What do you need to do? What are the steps to become a street medic? And then um, we kind of went from there based on online publications. And Barbara, in addition to your nursing degree, did you have to get any other type of certification to become a street medic? I also um, eventually attended an online bridge training program, which assumes that you have a, a medical background, but now you need to extend that to an area that you don't have the typical diagnostic tools, you don't have the typical supplies. Probably the most important part of being a street medic is realizing you don't have access to the same resources that you would in a clinic or hospital. And I imagine that just makes it a little more more challenging. Yes. So you have to rely a whole lot more on, I guess, traditional ways of diagnoses of assessment. Like I've had to rule out concussion just using like a neuro um, assessment, um, had to, you know, check for bones just using like broken bones, just using my hands, eyes, how the patient is responding you have to think a little bit, okay, if this is the problem, how do I check for it with what I have and how do I treat it with what I have? That makes sense. So, I mean, and I understand that like you're not necessarily part of an official, you know, like a hospital organization or a government-run EMS system. So what types of resources do you guys have? There are street medic organizations that like work together, collaborate, pool their resources to work together like that. There are also individuals like us who are a little more, I, I wouldn't say freelance, but just we kind of work independently. But in terms of like the supplies, it's whatever we can afford to and bring carry. and yeah, and carry. Oftentimes these are marches over, you know, it could be a couple miles. So you need, it needs to be something that you can carry and afford. And those are all supplies that you guys, at least in, in your situation, you guys are all donating yourself. Yes, that is correct. Wow, that's We're awesome. self-funded. <laughs> it is self-funded, and it can it can be a little bit pricey, but um, we do the best with what we're able to. 
So from your perspective as street medics, what does the typical scene at a protest look like? It Most of the time it's actually really boring. Most of the time nothing happens. It's, it's true. Most of the time it's not that exciting. Um, you sit around a lot of the time or walk around and you just make sure that people are sufficiently hydrated, um, check in with people, simply be present. However, sometimes handing out water and being present just wasn't enough. During 2020, there were a handful of occasions where protests did turn violent. If protesters and counter-protesters and police kind of descend into a general melee, the air is choked and thick with mace, pepper spray, and tear gas. People are beating each other, there are explosions, and you know, people are running all over the place. Everybody's panicked. A lot of people are panicked and scared. And we're in the middle of it all trying to keep people, trying to treat people who've been hurt, evacuate them from the danger zone, and rush back in to get more people out wearing our gas masks and hockey helmets um, oh. while chaos all over the place and, and people are just screaming, medic, medic, or, or yelling it. Uh, we plunge through chaos to get to them and get them to safety and, and get them treated. You guys you guys sound pretty crazy. Did you guys ever have any yeah, no. regrets or did you have second thoughts about doing stuff like that? Um, so when Frank approached me with becoming more involved in the community in the street medic way, I was terrified because I had just recently heard or been told or read about this street medic somewhere in the United States who was trying to de-escalate a situation and ended up having his forearm um, blown off by um, a gun. Um, and, and, you know, in the story, he used the tourniquet and, you know, was able to save the rest of his body. But th that the rest of that arm was gone. And I was scared that I we would get severely injured. Um, I was so nervous the first time we went out. Really, the the idea or the concept that pushed me to do this, even though I was scared, is that we we had the general skills and knowledge and capability, like availability, to help. Um, and this was something that was important to me to to contribute, you know, happiness and health to the people in my community. Wow, that's, yeah. that's powerful stuff. So you guys are both BYU graduates. Do you think there's anything about graduating from BYU that prepared you specifically to be street medics and to serve where you stand? Um, well, I would probably say including prayer in everything you do. <laughs> um, BYU definitely got the prayer thing before anything happened going and um before we go out we we you know pray that we will be able to help people and that also we will be protected but definitely coming from BYU with the prayer heavy culture it it has extended here we always do leave the house with a prayer before we're going to something like that um also just the concept of service as you know a calling and trying to serve where you can, where you stand, and where you happen to be. Um, it's kind of a, a duty and an obligation. And I think 
as both of us BYU graduates, the idea of going forth to serve, um, you know, with Barb's, you know, embracing the idea of the healer's art, we, we saw a need that was not being met in terms of people getting hurt at protests and needing that assistance. And we wanted to step forward, even though sometimes it's scary. Um, Just because some... it, it was doable. Like, I also, I feel like there is a definite need in rural health, but we're not in rural areas. So us trying to address that need doesn't really make sense. Where we are is the most good we can do is in street medicine at this time. Wow. That's true. Well, that's really awesome that you guys are really selfless like that. And you guys are willing to kind of step into, um, you know, step in the line of fire, hopefully not literally ever, but to, to help other people. Barbara, one of the things that you wrote in your piece that stood out to me was, I can't entirely agree with all the goals, policy, positions, and slogans of the people I help, but the needs of my community have led me to lift where I stand. That might be like one of the most Christ-like statements I think I've heard in modern English today. Do you think it's challenging to help people that you don't agree with personally? And, and how have you gotten better at helping people that you don't necessarily agree with? Um, I think that attitude comes a little bit just from being a nurse. You are assigned a patient and unless you get along really terribly, you're going to take care of that person regardless of personal views. We've felt it necessary to, to treat anyone who's injured, regardless of their role at the protest or their political affiliation. Um, if a neo-Nazi take uh, gets stabbed, we'll treat him. Um, we just won't be standing on his side of the protest line to begin with, but if they're crying for medic, we'll go with it. We'll go to there. That's something that we try to do is maintain a, a at least a public face, <clears throat> a public face of neutrality. We don't necessarily join with all the chants or the stuff like that, but we stand a little bit off to the side and we're dressed distinctively to make sure that we are recognized as medics by protesters, bystanders, police, counter-protesters, media, people like that. It's important that we be uh, recognizable as different and differentiated from the larger mass of people. We try to look as non-confrontational as possible. Um, Frank wears a BYU t-shirt, um, <laughs> and then I wear a, a, a long lab coat, so like a physician's white coat. Becoming a nurse, being a nurse, is one of the most service-oriented positions that I can think of. It, you, it, is, it is a very selfless um, profession, um, so I would attribute a lot of that um, being able to overcome um, the disagreements about certain politics with just knowing that I am there to help them in their health. I'm, I'm there to serve. Barbara Frank and I had our conversation over the phone. And unfortunately, at one point, we lost a high-quality connection. But there was a part in the interview that I really wanted to include. Barbara was explaining how a Latter-day Saint hymn helped her to work hard and work with people that she didn't necessarily agree with. This is what she said about the song, Lord, I Would Follow Thee. The lyrics on that are, you know, like, who am I to judge another um, when I'm imperfect myself? Um, so like just 
help me to help others, however, whoever they are. What do those interactions with confrontational people usually look like? Uh, we had a, some interactions with some far-right protester, proud boy people who came up to us and were yelling at us. Um, but then we explained the concept of street medicine to them, and we explained that we were just there in case anybody gets hurt and we would treat anybody. And they ended up leaving us kind of alone, or one of them pointed to us and leaned and turned and talked to some of his friends who were with him there. And it's like, oh, these are the good people. Don't harass these guys. Going off of the idea of we don't like agree with everything that is happening. A lot of the people that we do meet who are very kind to us, mo most of them um, at some time or other during the protests um, are smoking pot, but you know, we just, we're, we don't even bring that up. <laughs> we're, we're happy to help them in ways that they want to be helped. As a reminder, starting fall semester 2021, the College of Nursing at Brigham Young University changed its scrub policy. You will need a white scrub top, embroidery is no longer required, with navy pants for clinical shifts. For the nursing simulation lab, you will need a seal blue scrub top and bottom. Both sets are your choice of styling and vendor. And you don't have to wear only white closed-toed shoes. There is now a navy and black option too. I think it's really clear that you guys are both very um, empathetic people. Um, what advice do you have to aspiring nursing students who probably also need to build up uh, a higher level of empathy? What advice would you give them? Uh, how to build up higher level empathy. Quite frankly, just the action of serving others builds up a lot of empathy. You, you build more empathy. As you act in an empathetic role, you become more empathetic. But I would, in, I would encourage anyone aspiring to, to do more good to um, suspend judgment, um, just approach someone with the, to address the needs that, you know, they have that they're telling you about. Um, don't try to be confrontational. Um, just try to act um, and respect other people's beliefs. Do you have anything to add, Frank? Um, just that the more you do it, the more that you see um, the benefit of it and also to be willing to step outside your comfort zone sometimes. Oh yeah, that was a big one. Yeah, because this opportunity to get involved in street medicine wasn't something that uh, she or I anticipated, um, but it's been a step outside our comfort zone. We saw needs, stepped in to try to address those needs to the best of our ability. And um, it's been rewarding if terrifying at times. Um, and it's, we've done, we feel like we've contributed to our community well, and it's, it's important to us to, to do that. What types of injuries do you guys usually encounter as street medics? You never know what you're going to need to treat. It can be everything. We had one person approached us to get a Band-Aid for a hangnail, 
and we've had other much more difficult situations we've had to deal with. And street medics across the country have also had to deal with quite a few things. Knife wounds, gunshot wounds, um, vehicle-inflicted trauma. Heart attacks, heat strokes. Seizure. Um, also some burns and explosive damage because sometimes people bring fireworks to a protest. Less lethal munitions. That's something that the police often use. Police have you know, ruptured protesters' eyeballs, shattered their skulls. That uh, can leave a lot of welts and, and things like that. So these are all things we try to be prepared for. Barb and I have not treated, but other street medics across the country have, and we try to be prepared for those eventualities. Yeah, so a lot of these things you can probably tell are not something you get training on in a typical nursing program or in a typical nursing job. So I've had to do a lot of education, and I actually carry around note cards when we do go out of things that I'm likely to come across and, you know, the broad points of what to do in those situations. Yeah. Well, I think that's really impressive that even though maybe you guys haven't seen some of the dramatic action that some of the street medics have seen, I'm imagining that there's still, there's probably quite a bit of benefit with you guys being there and being as prepared as you can be to respond to those types of situations. Do you think there's a sense of security that the protesters or police or I don't know anyone in between that maybe they feel when you guys are on scene and in those situations? Absolutely. Um, I am fairly certain that at every event we attend, um, somebody has thanked us for being there. We're like, we're, we're there to um, medically support the people who are gathering. Um, we personally trying to do it in do it in a neutral position, but just letting them know, hey, we support you. We may not share all of your beliefs on this, but we want you to be safe and healthy. Your presence is a calming assurance to people, whether it's the protesters or media covering the protest or the police or stuff like that. You know, the medics are seen as a public good that protesters can have some peace of mind and people are just less likely to panic if they know that there is assistance close at hand in the event that something goes wrong. Mm. What type of supplies do you guys normally carry when you go to Medica protest? Yeah, so um, our supplies that we carry around, um, lots of gloves, um, uh, water, um, really the, the most common ailment that you're going to come across is dehydration. So water, um, band-aids, um, moleskin for blisters from walking, lidocaine, um, sunscreen. I actually do carry around a CPR mask, um, especially with um, respiratory virus pandemics. Um, just scissors, um, we also have like baby wipes and something called Sudicon. It's uh, for treating pepper spray uh, exposure, the burning sensation. Um, so the Sudicon wipe helps get that burning um, material, well, the like capsation off. Wow. Um, and so that's actually probably what we use the most in terms of actual action is the Sudicon wipes, the saline to get the pepper spray out of eyes. But we, we also have tourniquets, hemostatic bandages, chest seals. Um, and although I do not carry one, there are medics that have AEDs, mm -hmm. um, which is actually like helpful. When, whenever we go to a protest, I 
check out what other medics are there, what supplies they have, so I know what my full resources are. It can be pricey. Some of like the hemostatic bandages, the Celox Rapid, it can be pricey. Uh, tourniquets, you know, if you want the quality tourniquet, the good stuff, the, the CAT stuff, it can be a little pricey, but we want to be sure that we have the, the best available that we can carry. Well, thank you so much for, for you guys' perspectives on that. Um, I, this is, as you guys mentioned, this is something that is, I think, new to many of us. I know it's new to me. Before we wrap up, though, like, do you guys have any other thoughts or, or feelings they'd like to share with the uh, nursing students, prospective nursing students, or nursing alumni at BYU? Um, well, specific to nursing students, just knowing that there are so many things that you can do uh, as a nurse. I Entering the nursing program, I the only nursing I was familiar with was bedside nursing. And up until a couple years ago, that's all I did. Um, but there are so many other ways that you can help that um, may not necessarily be your specific job, just something you know that is for the public good. Um, just knowing, so opening their eyes to seeing all of the different opportunities, all of the different fields that um, nursing can get into. And if they're interested in street medicine, which I would encourage because I we have found it to be uh, a good thing and we believe it's a good thing. You know, there are websites they can go to and mention the Rose Hip Medics and the Do No Harm Coalition. Um, also strongly recommend uh, Stop the Bleed courses. That's just for just general purposes, uh, and is always a good thing, you know, to take a stop the bleed course. It's something both of us did before we started street medic uh, stuff. Was training on uh, stuff like that, um, and just if you do get involved in street medicine, a few tips, you know, make sure you have good shoes you can walk or run in. Um, make sure you bring your own meds because there's a possibility that you might get arrested and wind up spend a night in jail. Um, so you want to have meds. If you if you take medicine, you might get arrested. It's possible. We have not yet, but it is a possibility that we're both aware of. Um, you know, helmet, gas mask is a good idea, or just a respirator with goggles that conceal all in your eyes. Um, don't bring anything valuable that can get broken. Uh, <laughs> Um, have the emergency contact numbers. Do not take pictures of anyone at a protest um, unless you have their express consent to take the picture because a lot of people want to remain anonymous at protests. They're afraid of retaliation through their job or by police or by you know, some extremist group that might target them. Um, and also knowing how, knowing how to process things um, mentally and emotionally. Like after any action, um, the suggestion is to debrief using the rose thorn bud method. Um, the rose is what was the, like the highlight of, um, what you did? What was something that went really well? The thorn is something, you know, what was something that did not go well? What was the low point? And then the bud is what can we learn from this? What can we change, um, to become better in the future? That's, I mean, that's a very important way to debrief um after action to process anything and that's applicable to anybody yeah and uh absolutely that's it's it's been good as we think about ways that we can improve um 
when I had some, when we had someone who had the hangnail that wanted a bandaid, I couldn't find the bandaid in my bag. I, they wanted a small bandaid and here I've got chest seals and hemostatic bandages and tourniquets. And I'm like, where are the band-aids? So know your equipment and, uh, and, where, you and where you put it and practice with your equipment. <laughs> Don't apply chest seals to yourself, I guess, but like practice and know how to use your equipment because otherwise you're kind of useless out there. Is there something that you wish those people who are unkind to you, protesters, police, or anyone else that might be present, uh, that they understood about you and, and your work? What would you say to someone like that to maybe help them understand where you're coming from and what you're trying to do? Um, I am not comfortable fighting fire with fire. Um, I, I am there to help control damage and hopefully help prevent people from getting burned. Like, it's not... I'm not doing this specifically against them. Um, I am there in an ancillary supportive role. Um, so yeah, like I, I don't really directing any comments against our work is not particularly helpful. I add that we're there to mitigate harm and to help those who have been hurt regardless of their background. And with some some of the people who've been unkind to us don't see us that way. We're trying to do what is good for the public health. Um, it is clear that many people have different opinions about what is good for the public, but we are doing this sincerely. Um, and you know, because our role is as medics, this is something that I hope everybody can agree on it's it's we're not causing any harm it's awesome well frank and barbara thank you so much uh i really enjoyed the story that you wrote barbara uh and the alumni alumni perspective column that's going to go in the fall issue of the healer's art and thank you so much for talking to us it was really fascinating and i think you guys are doing some great work and it's a different line of medicine that i never would have considered before yeah, and that, that's really one of the, probably the most eye-opening part of being a street medic is knowing that this is out there. And wasn't something considered before, but it's out there if you're interested or if your listeners are interested, they can get involved as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you guys so much. Hope you guys stay safe. All right, thank you. Thanks for sharing the segment, Ryan. It made me aware of ways to be kinder to those who don't share the same point of view. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. It also made me realize how selfless healthcare workers are in trying to support others, especially in the crazy times that we live in. I also think I have a lot to learn as a non-nursing student. This podcast is certainly going to provide me another set of skills and perspectives that I'm just not currently aware of at the time. I completely agree. I'm excited to learn those skills with you as we produce this podcast this year. That's right. We hope that you all enjoyed that episode of The College Handoff. Just like last season, episodes will be out every Tuesday. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Google, Apple, Spotify, Podbean. Just Google us, you'll find us. Can't wait to see you there.